0: making history his story. Derek Izzy. You are listening to the Derek Izzy show. Welcome back for another month of this great podcast. Hey, are you listening? This month, the show is being brought to you For free. Well, every show is kind of for free, but this one is being brought to you without a discount code, no sponsor, just free on us. But what we do ask you is for a favor. Go to your favorite podcasting app, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, write a five-star review, give us some positive reviews, get the algorithms working, get the show noticed. Tell your friends and family All about the Derek Izzy Show because you want to make history his story. Today's story is all about election fraud. Isn't that fascinating? Maybe you've heard of this in the news. A presidential election is about to take place. The political parties are doing battle. There's mudslinging going on on both sides. The radicals of each political party are trying to take power rumors are spreading about the candidates there's scandals about the candidates maybe they're not just rumors there's corruption in the White House there's evasion of federal taxes there's a candidate claiming widespread election fraud there's many reports of voter intimidation racism at the polls mobs of people preventing others from voting Wide allegations of electoral fraud, violence at election polling places, disenfranchisement of voters, physical intimidation and bribery, and the end result? The losing political party refusing to accept the results of the election. The country was divided, mobs of people causing destruction, and those mobs not being held accountable for the destruction that they caused. The population was divided, unsure of which side to support, both sides making arguments to state their case, news reports slanted to one side or the other, the public unsure of what is actually true and what is not true, basing their decisions on what is published in the news. With all the conflicting news reports, it's impossible to know what to believe. Was this January 6th? Was it November of 2020? That sounds like it, doesn't it? Throughout the history of the United States, it wasn't always just the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. There were other parties that were quite active in our political system. Republicans wanted honesty in government. Democrats controlled the government. Both parties were seen as corrupt. The anti-Masonic Party. They put forth a candidate. Maybe you're familiar with the Masons. The Prohibition Party put forth a candidate. The Greenback Party nominated someone. Those of you not familiar with the Greenback Party, they were organized in Indianapolis, Indiana. They wanted to urge the federal government to inflate the economy through the mass issuance of paper money called Greenbacks. Everybody knows what the Prohibition Party stood for. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to the Derek Izzy Show from October 1st, 2014, Race to Prohibition. It was an episode we did explaining the time of Prohibition and what popular sport arose from such an unpopular law. At the time of this controversial election, by now you've realized that it's not one that occurred in recent history based on all the different political parties. But the claims and the issues that they experienced were identical to what we are going through today. The Electoral College is what really elects the president. And now you've seen several examples in recent history where the popular vote doesn't always match up with the way the Electoral College votes. But that's the way our government is designed. When I was in school, I was always taught that the Electoral College was a way of kind of evening the playing field. If you go with the popular vote, then that favors the areas that have a huge population density. For example, New York City, huge population density. They could vote in a presidential candidate who stands for issues that will help out their city. Maybe New York City suffering from pollution... And they want to outlaw gasoline-powered cars. And they want to switch to all-electric. And with the millions and millions of people in New York City, they support that idea. And if the president has the power to get on the bully pulpit and preach that idea to the masses, well, now your rural states like Montana and Wyoming, they really don't have any representation because where they're located, pollution isn't really a problem. But because the popular vote in the big city areas is such highly concentrated, it weighs a lot more heavily in the decisions that can be made within the government. So that's what I was taught in school. I was also taught that it is a way to follow up and make sure that the public isn't fooled by a troubled presidential candidate. They taught us that it was kind of a backup. Let's say a character like Adolf Hitler... Was extremely popular and ended up winning over the country and the general populace and wins the popular vote. Well, that's when the voters in the Electoral College would step in and deny that person the office. That's what I was taught in school. I'm sure many of you were taught different things, but you need that Electoral College vote to win the office of the president. Some of the candidates for this election, there were some greenback candidates, Peter Cooper. He was a wealthy philanthropist from New York. Ever hear of someone like that running for office? Former governor of Pennsylvania, Andrew Curtin, ran for the Greenback Party. William Allen, the former governor of Ohio, ran for Greenback. A representative from Illinois, Alexander Campbell, they all ran for the Greenback Party nomination. The Prohibition Party nominated Clay Smith as a presidential candidate. The Democratic Party candidates... They included the likes of Samuel Tilden, who was the governor of New York, the governor of Indiana, Thomas Hendricks, Winfield Scott, he was a major general in the Army, former governor of Ohio, William Allen. These were just some of the candidates on the Democratic side. The Democrats held their convention in St. Louis, Missouri, and it happened to be the first political convention ever held by one of the major political parties west of the Mississippi River was held in an auditorium, and there were reportedly 5,000 people jammed into it. Now, for the Republican Party, everyone on the Republican side kind of thought that Ulysses S. Grant was going to run. But he did not. The Republicans nominated Rutherford B. Hayes. And thus began the election of 1876. And you thought election fraud, voter intimidation, lies... False news reports, sensationalism, you thought this was all unique to what you're seeing in your life. My friends, this has been going on for hundreds of years. It is nothing new, it is just repeating the same behavior. In the great study of history, we often learn that we don't learn, we just repeat the same mistakes over and over with a new generation. Sometimes we get better, sometimes we regress, and sometimes we just hold the line right where it is. Sometimes our standards change. The election of 1876 was definitely one of the more memorable ones in the history of our country. All of the controversy leading up to the election and then during the election, as well as accusations after the election. And this this election was so close. The popular vote had two candidates that were neck and neck. Both the Republican and the Democratic candidate had achieved over 4 million votes in the popular vote. In order to win the office of president back then, you needed 185 electoral votes. The morning after the election, Sam Tilden had 184 electoral votes. Rutherford B. Hayes, He had 165, 166. There were still some states that had not reported their results. Republicans still had control over Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina, and those electoral votes were being disputed. Democrats claimed that the corrupt returning boards in those states had actually overturned Democratic majorities in the popular votes and gave the electoral votes to the Republicans. The two parties started arguing over who could actually count the votes. This brought some of the procedures in the Constitution into question. Some of the challenges were on the fine print of these electoral votes. Colorado was just recently admitted to the Union on August 1st, 1876, so this is the first time where they would have electors from Colorado. They didn't have enough money to organize a presidential election, So they sent three electoral college electors. So the three electors from Colorado cast their votes for Rutherford B. Hayes without a popular vote in that state. More reports of voter fraud, threats, and intimidation in Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina in the state of Oregon. The statewide popular vote clearly went to Rutherford B. Hayes, but the state's Democratic governor said that one of the Republican electors was ineligible since in his past he was a person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States. That disqualifies him from being an elector. It was alleged that the Louisiana Election Board would certify that the vote had gone to the Democrats if they were paid a sum of $1 million. With Tilden only one electoral vote away from winning the election, it looked like Rutherford B. Hayes would just concede the election. Both parties would claim victory in this election, but when the electoral votes were actually counted, Rutherford B. Hayes would be the president. Getting that 185 electoral votes, he would defeat Tilden 185 to 184. Lots of backdoor discussions, both parties protesting. While the electoral votes had been counted, the controversy was far from over. In fact, on January 29, 1877, Congress passed a law to form a 15-member electoral commission. This commission would give the final ruling on the election. Supreme Court justices were brought in, two Republicans and two Democrats, to make it fair. They would select a fifth Supreme Court justice, but that fifth justice would be selected by the other four Supreme Court justices. During the closed-door meetings, Democrats reluctantly accepted Rutherford B. Hayes would be the president. But in agreement, Hayes would withdraw federal troops from at least two of the southern states that they still occupied. If you look at the margin of victory, and you look at it on a statewide basis, you could say that Rutherford B. Hayes won because of the electoral votes he carried in South Carolina, and he only won those votes by carrying a victory in the popular vote in South Carolina of 889 votes. So one could reasonably conclude that while there were over 4 million votes in the popular election, the 889 in South Carolina were the ones that elected him president. At the time of this podcast, the only other election that was decided by a state that was that close in votes was the election of the year 2000, where George W. Bush won the state of Florida by 537 votes. Accepting his defeat, Samuel Tilden said, I can retire to public life with the consciousness that I shall receive from prosperity, the credit of having been elected to the highest position in the gift of the people, without any of the cares and responsibilities of the office. And then in 1886, Samuel Tilden would die, a wealthy man, leaving $3 million to the New York Public Library. In fact, the New York Tribune newspaper ran a headline that Tilden had been elected. But hey, when, when has the news ever got anything wrong? Rutherford B. Hayes, he made a proclamation not to seek re-election, and at the end of his term, he did not run for reelection. A president who made a promise and kept it. In an election fraught with controversy, Lies, intimidation, fraud. Know that what you hear and see in the news today is nothing but repetition of what we've been seeing for hundreds of years. Because now you know the rest of the story. Thanks for listening to The Derek Izzy Show. Please write a five-star review on whatever podcast system you are listening to this show. Your comments go a long way to getting the show noticed. Tell a friend. Tell your family. Continue to make history his story. Good day.